2024 is almost here and it is time for us to figure out how this past year has gone and how that's going to help us in the future when it comes to our presence online, specifically social media. So Hootsuite, every single year, it's a company, uh, the social media third-party scheduling software, essentially, and they do more than that, I think. But they put out this report every single year towards the end of the year talking about, hey, this is how everything went year prior. Here is our trends and predictions coming into the new year. So I figured let's change it up a little bit and uh, let's let's see what we can learn from this. The very first thing, again, if you want to look at the whole thing is in the description. So if you want to download the report for yourself, there you go, you can do it. <laughs> so the first thing before we even really jump into this too much is we need to know who was surveyed because they pulled in all of this data from surveying a bunch of people. And so it was 4,200 people, 120 countries almost, a variety of industries. And this is where I think it's really important too, is just over a quarter of these people that were respondents, they were directors or above, okay? And so when you think about it from that perspective, for the most part, all of my content on this channel is related to creators, solopreneurs, freelancers. These are like one person business owners. You're an owner operator. You're kind of doing the whole thing by yourself. So it's likely that if you're subscribed to this channel or have caught my content in the past, that we have that in common and that you are, you fall into that category. We need to understand too, with eyes wide open, a lot of the people that were a part of these surveys, I think we're working in bigger, larger companies, right? Because I don't have a director in my company. I don't have an executive team. I don't have any of that. I have a small team, but for the most part, I'm a pretty solo dude here. So we need to pay attention to that because it will affect how we interpret the data a little bit. But then 62% of the people were uh, managers and practitioners, super cool. And really it's basically two different surveys that happened from my understanding of it. And one of them was the social trends thing. And then the other, the other survey was social media survey. So kind of interesting. And then commercial survey versus consumer survey. But yeah, that way we know who we're talking about. And then the only other thing that's worth mentioning here too, is again, audience demographic as well. What was the age bracket of these people? So Gen Z and millennials, shout out to all the millennials, a 65% of those guys are, and girls are part of this. And then the 26% remaining 26% was Gen X baby boomers. Here's the very first trend that is all around AI. So the, there's three sections here I, I should mention. We're gonna be looking at AI, then we're gonna be looking at social media platforms themselves. And then we're gonna be looking at the ROI or the return on like how you make your money back from investing into social media efforts for your business or your brand. So coming into the AI section here, right from the get, AI forces brands to redefine authenticity. With generative AI on the rise, which we all know, brands toe the line between efficiency and authenticity on social media. That is really big. Before I start giving any of my two cents on this, let's just start looking at some of the data and I'll kind of share my thoughts along the way. 61% of organizations say the reason they use AI for social media is to reduce staff workload. No surprise there. AI is now kind of that sidekick. It's like your secret pal in the office at your desk where you can give it tasks and it's gonna handle things for you now. For those that have been leveraging AI or toying with it a little bit, we're starting to realize like, whoa, we can get a lot more done if we are leveraging any of those AI uh, models and services that are out there, right? So out of the organizations that are leveraging AI, 61% when it comes to their use with social media is to reduce the workload on the staff. Interesting, but not surprising. Now this chart I thought was really cool for us to look at here. And so what we're looking at is you basically have the red bars and the blue bars and the red is from 23 and then blue is from 2022. And if you look from left to right, for the most part, it was kind of the same. The things on the left side were both the most predominant in 2022 and 2023 when it comes to using AI. But then things kind of 
start to change over to the right side. Just really looking at the percentage change of the different things that we're gonna mention here now. Starting on the left, edit and refining text. Makes all the sense in the world that people would be using it in that capacity predominantly. I mean, think about, I'll use the example of what I'm familiar with. Predominantly is ChatGPT. You're pulling up a text window, right? And so we're all used to like typing something, hitting send, getting some sort of text response, and then doing that back and forth and having that text conversation. So I think within that, the very first and obvious thing is like, oh, it can help me write better because you're seeing it write responses to you. I think psychologically for a lot of us, that's probably just where we started. I know that's how it was for me. And then going on over to this next bar, producing ad text from scratch. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> Any of the copywriting that seems like the lowest hanging fruit where we could really be leveraging AI to help ourselves out and then moving into developing new ideas. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but the brainstorming element, it does become your brainstorm buddy. It becomes a little bit of a research and development tool or a lot of bit of that as well. But what's interesting is if we start sliding over here more to the right side of this chart, now we're looking at things that are less about text and more about images. And so look at this, this third from the right, editing images images, 15% in 2022 versus 54% of the people using AI, of the brands using AI that were part of this survey are now using it to help edit images. I think there's a few different factors and reasons for this, but predominantly it's just there's companies that have come into the space and known how to create new software, new applications, new tools that have AI baked into it, making it very easy for consumers or other brands to then use those tools. You know, like Adobe has brought in a ton of AI stuff into their software. Not from firsthand experience, I can't say that, but I've been seeing that be talked about a lot right now. And so, yeah, I mean, the whole text thing, for sure, that's been around. It's only getting better, only getting better. But with images and even video, which isn't talked about much in this report, <laughs> AI is really starting to kind of come in clutch in a lot of ways. And again, big brands, big businesses are using it. But I think where it really helps is for the little guys, for the small solopreneur, one person business owner, brand so I'm really excited about it. It's just a matter of finding the time to learn it, I think, for a lot of us and understand which tool does what and figuring out how to work it into your daily workflow and how it can really help you. But again, just really interesting. I mean, huge uptick in use just overall. It's the future, man. It's the future and it's the now. Moving on, concerns over AI. I think we all have a little bit of concern over AI. I like to think that I'm a eyes wide open optimist. I'm pragmatic. I like to be realistic about things, but I'm also, I try to err on the side of optimism because I think that's just makes for a better life in general, but there are some concerns. And so as we look at this little piece of data right here, thinking about social media content generated by AI, people were asked to rate their agreement with the following statements. This first bar left to right, the statement was, it's hard to tell what information is real or fake. Okay. So keyword is information. 66% agree that it is hard to tell what's real or fake. 22% are kind of indifferent about it. And then 12% disagree, and they don't think that it's hard to tell what information is real or fake. I would share my opinion, but it doesn't really matter because what we do know is where AI tech is now, the brains behind AI, how smart it is right now versus three months from now, six months from now, 12 months from now, it is not a linear rate of progression. There is a compound effect and we are going to see exponential explosion of intelligence. Regardless of where how you feel about it now, it is going to become harder and harder 
to really discern between what was generated by a human versus by a bot, essentially. And then that next bar down at the bottom here, it's hard to tell what images are real or fake created using AI. It wasn't that long ago, I mean, just a few months ago, where it became kind of this funny little thing of like, you can spot AI because with images, like if you have a person or anything with hands, like it would all be mangled and they have like extra fingers or missing fingers or the knuckle would be bent back the other way. But the technology, again, is only progressing because it learns at such a rapid rate. You're not gonna be able to compete with other businesses and brands using AI if you're not. Get on the program, really, is kind of the whole thing. I mean, think about it with smartphones, with the internet, with electricity. When electricity first kind of came on the market, people thought that it was like sorcery. What sorcery is this? and that there was like ghosts in their walls. But that's just because they didn't know. They weren't educated yet on it and they didn't understand the value of what electricity actually meant for them, right? Getting back to the point of this data right here, most people to 66 or 67% of people say that it's hard to tell the difference. Well, it's gonna get even harder and harder and harder to a degree. That goes into a completely separate topic, but let's move on. I got some more good stuff for us. Okay, I really like this chart. And again, if you want to grab the whole entire report done by Hootsuite. The link is down in the description. It's completely free. So AI for the ages. So what we're looking at is Gen Z versus millennials, Gen X, baby boomers. You can see the the map up there at the top, kind of the key telling us which colors are which. When somebody responded to a statement with a strongly agree, they added to that percentage, okay? So with the statement, if I know something is created by AI, I am less likely to engage with it. That was the statement. And then people, if they strongly agreed with that statement, they showed up here in the numbers. So 20% of Gen Z agreed with that statement. So the other 80% did not strongly agree. Whereas baby boomers, we'll just play the polar opposites, a 33% of them agree with that statement versus the rest of them not so much agreeing. And again, I think this goes back to just the when you were born, what has your life been? What's your life experiences? What's your relationship with technology been for the time that you've spent on this earth? Gen Z have not spent nearly as much time on this earth as boomers. The data is not surprising to me at all. The thing I'm surprised about is I thought more baby boomers would be less likely to engage with AI generated con content. So that's kind of interesting that only 33% said that they would be less likely to engage with it. So again, you know, Gen Z born with essentially a phone in their hands, just to overly simplify it. Gen Z and millennials, like we're used to tech. Now I'm a millennial, I'm 32 right now. As I record this, I remember the time when there was no fancy tech at all, but I've also lived plenty of time with smartphones in our pockets, access to the internet. I recognize it. I think it just depends on when you were born and what you've been used to. Because again, we're humans and old habits die hard. It takes a while to adopt new technologies and figure out how it like works. So none of this is really surprising me here, but it is interesting to see the breakdown. And then looking at these bottom two, what we're seeing is it's hard to tell what images are real or fake. So again, kind of looking at it from the image based, the tech is getting better. We're just gonna continue to see a shakeup, but here's where we start putting in some application. So when is it time to use the technology at our fingertips or to keep it human? We'll run through these bullet points real quick. Use AI when you're brainstorming ideas 
organizing your thoughts, giving content suggestions, writing first drafts for captions, suggesting images. It's your brainstorming buddy. It's getting the ball rolling on creating something, kind of doing some research on gathering your thoughts. It's all of that kind of stuff. And then where you want to keep it human is when you're creating the strategy for social media. That's a pretty much a no brainer. I'm not saying I fully agree with that statement because again, things are changing so rapidly, but social media is for human consumption. And so if you have a human that does this for a living, they're going to be the ones that understand human psychology better than AI does. Now that may change. It will change. But for now, yeah, like when you're talking strategic, high level thinking and mapping out your plan of attack and the strategy behind how you're going to execute things over the coming years, that it's important that there's a lot of human input on that. You don't want to just like subcontract that work out to a robot and call it a day. Editing and ref refining the captions. So again, you can use AI to help you get the first draft written for a caption, kind of just start to spark some ideas. And then you as a person can start to work it into your brand voice and kind of understand what's going to fully work before you hit post. And so you kind of are doing that, that final round of approval and tweaking it to where it's perfect. Ensuring images and posts are up to brand standards. Yeah, it makes sense that that would be human, although it's going to change again. That's my, I'm a broken record on this, but AI is going to continue to get better and it's going to happen stupidly fast. And then the last one, interacting in the comments section. Yeah, th this one's worth not brushing over. And we're going to get into this a little bit later in the report. Engagement is important when it comes to your involvement with social media as a creator, as a brand, big or small. People crave human connection. We've always been wired that way. And as technology has evolved and we've become, I guess we could just say more isolated and you can access the world without leaving your bed now between the TV mounted on your wall and the phone that's sitting on, on your nightstand, right? The need for human connection and the, us craving it has almost become more powerful. And it's ironic because as a society have become more and more connected through the power of the internet where there's an abundance, too much information. Ironically, the epidemic of loneliness has increased and suicide rates, all of these other mental health issues, I think are very highly tethered to this very topic right here. And so on a small scale, kind of getting away from the abstract and these big heavy conversations into what this is saying is for sure. We want to be engaging with the people that choose to engage with us through social media. We don't want to substitute or sub that work out to a robot just so that we left the comment. Like we need to be really engaging and look for that value in that relationship that can start right there in the comment section of the content that you're posting. So an interesting little thing between when to use the bots and when to keep it human. Moving right along. The multi-platform predicament. This is kind of touching into ROI here a little bit, but I've got a few different things that I want to look at. So over here on the left side first, this paragraph right here, this first one, when your audience is everywhere, that's a tall order in the sense of like trying to show up on all these platforms. On average, the social media user logs into about seven platforms each month. That's a lot. And it's also a very competitive place, a marketplace of there's always new apps. And for every Instagram that pops off, there was thousands of other IG wannabes that tried to get some market share and then hopefully pop and get that ride the wave and get more users on their platform. But it's really hard. It's incredibly competitive. Like you can't just go out if you have a good idea for a social media app and like the likelihood of it becoming the next Facebook or Instagram or whatever is so low. But even with the ones that are out there on the market, 
people are engaged with a lot of them. We have most of them on our phones in many cases. And so from a brand perspective or a creator perspective, it becomes that whole conversation of do I show up everywhere or do I just pick one or two platforms and really focus in on that? And that question, I'm not gonna fully answer it here. There is an answer that's at least as far as trends and what this data is showing coming into the next year. So keep watching and let's keep going through this. But yeah, it's just interesting that the stress, even at the high business level or big business level rather, where they do have the budget to hire an army of marketers and people specializing in different platforms. And then you have your managers and your directors and the whole thing. And they have the budget for all that to where you can divide and conquer and really make sure you're active on all the platforms. Even at that level, they're stressed out and they're like, okay, this is becoming too much. What are we doing here? Which ones are actually working for us? So let's look at this chart over here on the right. Organizations fear the ROI impact of being on so many platforms. Yeah, totally get that. Like we're out here to make money, not lose money, right? So which of the following issues do you think contribute to the organizations, to your organization's concern about return on investment for social media activities? I'm not gonna touch on all of these, but the very first one, 52% are saying that time or budget investment to maintain a presence on multiple social media platforms is the stress. Every time a new platform comes out, like Threads just came out, X is in a whole shakeup right now, which I think that's being overly glamorized and publicized more than it needs to be personally. And so then it's like, okay, well, this new one just popped up. So we'll use threads. It's like, all right, so now I need to get a threads expert and I need a few copywriters that can take the stuff that we're doing and make sure that it's suitable for threads. And then it's like, okay, now I have just invested six figures plus, if we're talking big business, six figures plus just in the marketing department specifically so that we can be a part of threads. And it's like, whoa, how do we get the return on that? And it's like, that's tough. Now, if you're out there not looking for an immediate financial return and it's just more brand awareness and just trying to show up everywhere, then that's one thing, but you have to be ready to absorb that cost and be okay with that. And then again, bringing it back down to the small business owners, the solopreneur operators like myself. Again, how do you continue to show up on all these platforms? It's tough out here. You know, even just to do well on one feels pretty much impossible at times. And you face this like creative burnout and the pressure of not only doing well on the platform and putting out good content, but doing it consistently and showing up on a schedule and always having something new and fresh and unique to post. That's a lot of pressure. We're all feeling it. If the big companies are feeling it, the small guys are definitely feeling it. And so, you know, my heart's out here for you and I'm out here in the trenches with you. So if you haven't liked or subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. That way we can stay connected through the journey of us both reaching the top of our success mountain. We're all on our journey towards success. Whatever that means for you, whatever that means for me, it's all unique and independent. We can leverage each other's skill sets, insights, and even just knowing that we're not alone. Like for me, I work for myself at home. I'm in a home office back here. It's nice to have connections with people that I know are kind of going through this for themselves as well. It's it's less lonely. It's more fun that way. 58% of marketers say the pace at which networks release new user and advertising features makes it hard to keep up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, I'm just now starting to kind of figure out IG stories. <laughs> not, not literally, but you know, I mean, you've got your stories. Then you've got your highlights, carousel posts, the reels, and that's all just organic content. And see what this stat is specific to is they're saying advertising features. It gets wild. So yeah, of course, 58%. I'm surprised the number's not higher. 
think that, yeah, all of these new features are making it hard to keep up. That's absolutely true. But you know what? We're all in this together. We're all doing our best. And it provides a unique challenge, which kind of gives everybody a fair opportunity, which I'm happy there's some good news in that department. But this makes me think of that as well. There's room for even the small guys to do well. So looking at the different social media platforms, if you can't tell, we are starting to migrate away from the AI conversation and more into social media platforms where people are at, what they're doing. And uh, yeah, so some interesting stuff here to look at right off the top. The top three here, LinkedIn, Instagram, WhatsApp. Interestingly enough, I have never even used WhatsApp. I'm familiar with it. So if there's something that I'm completely sleeping on and missing out on, please let me know. <laughs> if there's a compelling argument for why I should be on WhatsApp, I will absolutely be there. But again, the pressure of trying to be on all the places, like, holy crap. I just recently decided, you know, I'm going to focus on YouTube, Instagram, and X. Not specifically in that order, but that is like YouTube is my main like thing that I want to continue to push on really hard. That's why we're here. But yeah, LinkedIn has been popping off lately. It's interesting. This stuff is always going to kind of slide a little bit this way and then a little bit that way. The world, and this gets into just a bigger principle or fundamental of life in general, but everything ebbs and flows. Like the world is a pendulum, like real estate, politics. We're talking a lot about the left being the bad guy. And then it becomes the right being the bad guys. And then it's like, this is fashion. Again, a pendulum or a cycle. It becomes pretty obvious that this isn't always going to stay this way, but it is interesting to see what people are saying. How confident are you that each of the following social platforms delivers a positive return on investment for your organization? Given who was a part of the survey, it does not surprise me that LinkedIn is way up at the top. It's very business centered and focused anyway. Uh, Instagram, people are familiar with that. There's new features on it. I've been struggling with Instagram myself lately as far as just reach and engagement, but I'm not giving up on it. So you can see how all of these stack up. And then down here at the bottom, you've got X and threads and Pinterest kind of just hanging out. People don't really see how that becomes ROI positive for their brand. But another conversation that could be talked about is the whole, when everybody does this, do the opposite. Because a lot of times when people are all sleeping on this platforms over here, that's when you want to get in, invest your time and start building up your IP, building up the amount of content interactions that you're having on that platform with the people that are still there. Because as the pendulum swings back over and all of a sudden people start hating LinkedIn and Instagram and WhatsApp and Facebook, they're going to slide over to a threads or an X, you know, insert whatever name you want to, but that's how it goes. So when everybody's over here, yes, it's because there's an opportunity there. But the fact that our, everybody rushed over there, this like gold rush means that that there's less gold for each person. So then you got to go find gold somewhere else, like go to a different mountain, go mine somewhere else because you will find your riches there as well. Interesting breakdown though. And so getting into a, another takeaway here, Hootsuite is saying that strategic brands commit to their champion platform. I'd never heard it called champion platforms before. Really, it's just this whole thing of like, okay, how are we going to keep up on seven platforms, especially when the bottom three, we don't even see a return on our investment from it. It's like, let's pour all of our energy and resource into the ones that seem to be the most ROI positive. I think this does get into the conversation of there is one school of thought where it's, I want to be on all the platforms that I can be on. 
so that I have the greatest opportunity of making new connections, finding new leads, building my audience, getting more customers. That's super valid. But then you have the other side of the coin where it's like, okay, I only have so much bandwidth. I only have so much budget or creative, like creativity. So let me just get really good on this platform and maybe one or two platforms. And yes, maybe I'm missing some opportunity by not being on these other ones. But if I can go all in on this stuff, all of my energy, all of my focus and effort is put into it. So the likelihood of me doing well on that platform, especially if we're talking about building audience, just like with anything, there's sacrifice on both sides for sure. What we're seeing from this data is that potentially brands are going to stop trying to be everywhere all the time and start just focusing on what's bringing in the money. So this little chart down here, we'll get to in just a quick sec. I'm going to read some of this text up here from the top. I thought there were some interesting things here, like looking at WhatsApp, for example, only 14% of organizations have a presence on that app. Okay. 14% of people or of brands that were part of the survey are on WhatsApp, but almost two thirds of that 14% feel strongly that it benefits their business. So there's not a ton of people who are using it, but those that do use it just swear by it essentially. And then you have on the opposite side of the table, X formerly known as Twitter, only 30% of them think that it drives value, which is a 23% decrease from last year. They're saying it might explain the uh, platform 7% drop in brand use. And I think there's more crap wrapped into that as far as just the ownership of Musk coming in and free speech and how he's running the business and how he went about acquiring the business. It's just, a, it's a whole thing. Um, and I think everybody just needs to relax truthfully. All right, but then just jumping down here to this other chart, most organizations have a presence on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. No shocker there. Which platforms are you currently using? This is what they asked all of the people taking the survey. And so you can see it right here. This is the easiest way to know where they're at or where the majority of them are. So 91% of people are on Facebook, 86 on IG, LinkedIn, 80% X, even though people want to just poo poo all over X and say that it sucks. 66% of people are there, but maybe coming into 2024 based off that previous prediction, maybe they'll be canceling that account. Because the last thing you want to do, side note, is if you choose to have a social media presence on a specific platform, use it. Don't just put it up and not use it because then it makes your brand look like it's dying. If I were to get on TikTok and never post, people that saw my profile through there or clicked on it from my website or from somewhere else and they saw that I'm not posting anything, if they didn't go over and look at YouTube and all of these other places where I am active, they would think that maybe I closed up shop, that I was done, <laughs> you know, whatever. I fled the country and changed my name. What you don't want to have happen is create all these accounts so that you show up everywhere, but then you're not posting on them. So if you're gonna have a social media account on a specific platform, just use it. Moving right along. So here is some takeaways from there. This is what Hootsuite has said, and I'll give you my two cents on it too. I think really here, a lot of this is being more wordy than it needs to. Number one, run a social media audit for platform intel. Check out how your stuff is performing. Look at your analytics every now and again. I'd like to say monthly is a good cadence. What's doing well? What's not doing well? What were the top 10 things that you posted this month or five things, depending on the frequency of how often you post and how much content there is to analyze? If it was a reel, what was the first frame? What was the caption to it? If it was a carousel, what was the topic of it? You know, and all of this stuff applies to these different forms and formats, but look at what did really well and just ask yourself the question of why do I think it did well? What do these five things have in common? And then look at the five that did the worst and ask the same question, but inversely, right? Just kind of start to do that. You don't need to stress yourself out and like set aside a whole day or two to go through all of your reporting. I can tell you from experience, you can go into a deep dive and find 
find yourself lost and scared and confused in all of the data. And then put your platforms, number two here, put your platforms in an ROI showdown. Okay, so if you're looking at social media from a business perspective of like where I'm investing time, money, energy, where am I getting something back? And return on investment can mean a lot of different things. Traditionally, typically people are thinking about dollars. If I spend money to do some posting on this platform or ads on this platform, how much money am I getting back? Am I getting more money back than I spent? Okay, that's ROI positive. By what percentage? That's the whole thing. So that's the 101 class on ROI, but it can also be the investment of building brand awareness. It could be the investment of just building your audience in general. People that are landing over onto your email list. It depends on your goals, like what you're talking about when you say ROI. With this point number two is instead of just analyzing what content is performing well on a specific platform, now we're saying, okay, well, which platforms against each other are doing better? And this depends too, like whatever service or product that you sell is going to be more perfectly tailored. Typically, most companies are not selling things that is equally valuable for baby boomers as it is for Gen Z. And in the same exact way, like we all have our target audience that we're going after, our target customer profile. It makes sense that TikTok's gonna work really well for brands that are trying to sell and make money from younger people. Whereas with Facebook, it's an older crowd. So you can do a lot better with Facebook if you're selling, I don't know, denture care items or something like doing that on TikTok is not gonna work as well, okay? And then number three, master the art of proper cross posting. And so to quickly jump into this, give as much value as I possibly can, cross posting, all right? Not cross dressing, cross posting, <laughs> two different things. You can just take one piece of content and post it, just copy and paste and post it everywhere. I'm guilty of that. I try not to do that every time, but a lot of times I am doing that, especially since I'm handling all that for myself. I have some help, but I don't have as much help as I'd like. If I had somebody that was dedicated to social media, just in general, social media management, posting, scheduling, optimizing, pulling analytics, all of that stuff, then yeah, we would start to kind of tweak things per platform. But that's what we're talking about when it says proper cross posting. So I could record a video and it could be the short 60 second vertical format video so that it works on a lot of different platforms. But the first frame, again, the first thing that people see before they click on it, some people call it a thumbnail and it might be it might be different between what you have on TikTok versus what the first frame would be for Instagram or even Facebook Reels. And then even more so with the caption, that could be different so that you're sparking some intrigue and some curiosity to different audience types. So for the younger ones, there are certain things that will really hook them in to where they're like, oh, I really wanna watch this, I'm curious, I'm gonna click on it. Whereas on Facebook, you may have to change that up. So that's all I'm talking about with proper cross posting is just not copy and pasting all the way across. So if you're gonna be on multiple platforms, just make sure that you are being platform specific as far as your captions and how you're presenting the content that you're putting out there, all right? And so the takeaway here when it comes to ROI from Hootsuite's perspective is entertainment fuels the social ROI engine. Surprise, surprise, people like to go to social media to be entertained. That's crazy. Now, maybe less so on LinkedIn, but pretty much on every other platform, people are going for entertainment or intrigue. They're looking for value. I mean, that's the bigger word. People are going to watch the things and subscribe to the things and like the things that are valuable to them from their perspective and everybody's different, right? So with that in mind, brands are starting to figure out, oh, 
we need to entertain people because that's what people are looking for. And this goes back into stop trying to sell stuff right off the get and focus on providing something that's valuable. And that word value has been said so many times, at least within the circles that I'm a part of online to where it's almost just, it's numbing. Like we don't really listen to it or really think about it. We're like, oh, there they go using that word again. But no, I mean, that's really what it is. Make stuff that's valuable to people on the content side with your marketing and also with your product or services. As long as it's valuable, people are gonna go there. And so within the conversation of value, we have the word entertainment. We have education. You know, it really kind of falls into those categories. You're either entertaining or you're educating. You can really marry the two as well. Entertainment has to be a part of the conversation. So exactly what we were just talking about, audiences give too much self-promotion, a thumbs down. 34% are saying that if you're just constantly focused on self-promotion with the content that you're putting out, then people get annoyed with that and they're going to start disengaging because they're like, oh yeah, there they go selling stuff again. And so that's like a fear of mine, honestly, to be transparent. I almost wrestle on the opposite side where I feel like I should be marketing myself and my offers more often than I do through my content. It makes me think of, you probably have a friend or you can think of somebody that just always talks about themselves. And anytime you try to have a conversation with them, they are very clever, all of a sudden turning whatever conversation into something that's about them. And I can think of a few people in my life, in my social circles that are exactly like that. And it's exhausting and it's draining and you don't wanna be around those people. And I think the same thing is true here. That's exactly what we're seeing. And then right underneath that low quality content, we could get into the debate of what quality Quality means because again, we need to define these words to be able to actually have some like intelligent takeaway from it. But just in general, it's like it's becoming easier and easier to create high quality content. If we're talking about technical quality with lighting and microphones and the type of camera and the lens that you have and all of that, that's one side of quality. But then there's the side of quality where it's like, okay, there was really valuable information there. That's the other side of quality as well. So again, just thinking about the end user, thinking about that you want to engage with the content that you're putting out, what would be considered quality to them? That's all you really have to ask yourself and just focus on that. And then again, go back to the data and it will start to reveal whether you're doing things that are quality to them or not. And a lot of this advice is, is for me too. I went through this for my own sake and I was like, oh man, I should hit record and talk on some of this because I think there's a lot of us that could benefit from this conversation. And then over here on the right, 56% of consumers think that brands should be more relatable on social media. Again, we are all humans, whether you're a consumer or you're the creator, you're trying to sell the thing, you're trying to monetize through content and have some sort of financial ROI, we're all human beings because that's typically where we miss the mark. When people are putting out content that's not serving their audience, honestly, it's typically because they're putting themselves first. They're thinking about what they want as opposed to their audience and what's best for them. And it comes back to human connections and just thinking about it from that perspective. And as you do that and thinking about even human psychology of like what sparks curiosity? Why is there proven structures and frameworks to telling a good story? We just have to remember we're all out here living our best life or at least trying to, okay? And for all of the business owners and entrepreneurs and people that are on marketing teams, the people that we're trying to connect with, they're humans too. Okay, as we wrap up, I've got two more slides for you. So start making this a little bit quicker here. Brands cling to engagement to demonstrate ROI. Really, this chart is just saying that how do the people that were part of the survey, how are they determining whether they are ROI positive or ROI negative? Like what metrics are they looking at? What actions or behaviors that people are taking with their content? What are they looking at to determine success and engagement? And I think that's such a big number here because then it goes to impressions, views, which 
is just how many eyeballs saw it, but then followers, clicks, traffic, leads, a lot of this kind of stuff can be wrapped up into engagement. So I don't know specifically what they're talking about when they say engagement. I think engagement is this catch all word because if you put out a piece of content and people started following you from it, I guess you could argue whether that's engagement or not. Of course, comments would be. Even the like button could be considered engagement as well. So that's why it's so big. At least that's my two cents on it. And then looking at the text up here, I just thought there was an interesting point being made here. 48% of marketers publish product or brand updates or news multiple times a week, according to the survey. And that's a huge disconnect between what brands are posting and what people really want to see. Again, thinking about the end user, thinking about the person on the other side of the phone screen. Almost half of the organizations are yammering about themselves. 69% say, Engagement is the top metric that they use to demonstrate ROI, which bleeds straight into this. Again, if you want your engagement to go up, put things out that are either entertaining or educational, inspiring, informational, aspirational, <laughs> something that is considered valuable to the person on the other side of the phone screen. Focus on that. All of these silly little details start to subside pretty quick and it makes life a lot easier to navigate, a lot less stressful. And when you know you're putting people first, you know you are doing your best to contribute in your own unique way to this world around you. And in turn, you will find your audience grows. You will find that people buy products and services from you because they like you, they trust you, they know that you are looking out for them. What goes around comes around, right? And the final slide for us today, Number one, when it comes to content, follow your audience's lead. Let's look at how they're engaging or not engaging with content and kind of craft our next batch of content that we create, publish, post, whatever, that we are paying attention to how our other stuff performed. And your audience will tell you if it sucks by either not watching the whole thing or thumbs downing it or whatever. And they'll tell you if it's good because they want you to know that they liked it. So when it comes to content, just let your audience be the determining factor of what to continue to make more of and maybe what to get rid of because they're just not interested in it. They'll let you know based off of their behaviors. Second takeaway, let social be a long game. A lot of people are chasing virality. They want to have one piece of content that just pops into the stratosphere and explodes and all of a sudden they blow up all of a sudden and then their podcast is at the top and their YouTube channel becomes what everybody else models themselves after. All of that stuff, take your time with it. It's a about putting in the reps. I've talked about this before and I will continue to because it's really important. We need to be patient. That doesn't mean be complacent or be lackadaisical. We need to focus really hard on the things that we care about. And for us here, we care about doing better on social media and building our brand through social media, but recognize that things likely are not going to take off overnight. So let's just look at the data, just kind of put on this like mindset shift of I'm going to show up whether things are going well or not, because over the course of time, it will naturally start to trend up. The only way to guarantee that you'll fail is by giving up. And the people that are short-sighted, usually when they don't get the thing they want in this short time window that they were hoping for, they throw in the towel. So as long as you keep showing up, uh, it's going to serve you well. You're going to learn a lot in that process. And you're going to show up as this person, this brand that's dedicated to the craft, dedicated to putting out content. And people don't want to get into short-term relationships with people online when it comes to content. They want to be able to 
to discover a creator that they can continue to enjoy for the rest of time. There are YouTubers that I've been following for so many years now. And you know, it'd be almost crushing if all of a sudden they were like, yeah, I'm done. Or they just never even posted that. Like, can you imagine if Mr. Beast all of a sudden chose to not make any more videos? Just play the long-term game with it. Don't stress yourself out. It takes years to build up expertise in anything really. And number three, make social relationships the foundation of your ROI. I won't hammer this home any more than I already have. But again, it's about creating connections, about building relationships. Don't let AI do all of the commenting for you. Don't use AI in this way that starts to sabotage the opportunity for real relationship between you and the people that are consuming your content. And I think with all of that, you'll be set up for success. And so I hope that you enjoyed this, found some insight with this. There's definitely a lot going on, a lot of social media platforms to consider. Everybody has their opinion of how to do it or how not to do it. What time of the day are you supposed to post? How many emojis did you use in the caption or no emojis at all? Which social media scheduling platforms, the best one, which ones works the best with the algorithm? You know, there's a million different things that people get caught up on. Don't be short-sighted. Don't get caught up in details that just hardly change the outcome. Focus on the bigger things, like what we're talking about here with people, relationships, putting out content that's valuable, and you're off to the races. And we'll see what 2024 is gonna look like. We've got a lot of cool things on the horizon. And so I will be out there in the trenches doing it as I always do. And I'm excited to be out there with you as well. So to make sure that we are connected, I just looked at my YouTube analytics recently and it said that over 96% of the people that watch my stuff online are not subscribed to the YouTube channel. So if that's you, it would mean a lot to me. It's just a button, just hit the button. It helps me out a ton. It's low friction for you. And I really appreciate you being here. I hope you found some value. And until next time, peace.